you are with us today, and uh, I'm just excited about getting to one of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Okay, we're in the book of Romans, and, and any time we do a, a, a study on a book, uh, there's always certain parts that are just my favorite. Okay, now it's all good because it's God's word, but boy, Romans chapter number eight is so good. Okay, as I told you, every time I think about the love of God, the first scripture that comes to mind is John three sixteen. Okay, maybe because that's the first scripture I've memorized. Okay. I mean, even even before I, I came to church, I could I could stumble across John three sixteen. Yeah, that's that one that says God loves me and He sent Jesus, right? Okay, that, that that's kind of the cliff notes version. But the love of God is is so encapsulated in what I read to you in the, the end of Romans chapter number eight. But there's a lot before you get to Romans to the end of chapter of eight, and it starts out with just a great zinger right in the beginning. And so many times when I'm ministering to folks or I'm talking to folks who are struggling with guilt. Are, 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 are their past. Anybody in here ever struggled with guilt? Any of you ever struggled with, man, I've just done too much. Okay, you ever wondered? I remember the first time I heard about the unpardonable sin. Nick, I thought I did that too. Okay? Because I'd done a whole lot of bad things before I came to Jesus. And when I heard a, a, an evangelist talk about the unpardonable sin, I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because I did just about everything else. Okay? And, 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 and we struggle with our past. We struggle with guilt. Well, Romans 8 and 1 is the answer for that. Amen? I can't tell you how many times I've told someone when I'm praying with them, when I'm counseling them, when they're saying, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I said, I don't care what you did because God says there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. The key is in Christ Jesus. Okay? If you're not in Christ Jesus, there's a whole lot of guilt. <laughs> there's a whole lot of regret. You can, you can live your life stuck in regret if you don't get in Christ. You can be in regret or you can be in Christ, but you can't be both. That ain't in my notes, but that was pretty good, okay? You can be in Christ, and that's a good place to be. So there's some great, great scriptures I don't want us to get to. So without any further ado, let's get started. Now I'm going to read verses 1 through 17, and I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way I'm going to get through all 17, okay? So this is kind of a two-part thing, which is fine. Uh, we're going to get about halfway through, and then next Wednesday we're going to finish it up, and, um, and that'll be good stuff. And when I say finished up, I don't mean the whole chapter of Romans 8. I mean simply the first 17 verses. So let's read that together. We're talking about how Jesus Christ has set us free from condemnation. He set us free from guilt. He's also talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, guys, that's really the meat of this teaching today, the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this right here we're about to read is one of the most important passages in all of Scripture. Its subject cannot be overemphasized, the power of the Spirit of God in the life of a believer. Okay? The Spirit of God should rule and reign in our body. The Spirit of God should tell us what to say and what not to say. The Spirit of God should tell us where to go and where not to go. If you'll listen to the Spirit of God, guess what? Your life will get a whole lot easier really, really quickly. Okay? You know, if you think listening to your wife will work, I don't know where that came from. Okay, that makes Guys, if you think listening to your life is a good idea, listening to the Holy Spirit is even a better idea. Okay? Let me get to my, my word because I'm getting some, some looks from back there in the, the guide section. So, Romans chapter number 8. Let's read verses 1 through 17. There is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of Christ in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. 
for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. For then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Let me read that again. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, and the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together with Him. Great scripture right there. Great words. Sister Garland was closing her eyes not to take a nap. I think just taking the, 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 the goodness of what I was reading. How many times have you heard this preached? How many times have you taught this in Sunday school? How many times have you talked about the spirit of adoption? You know, we use the analogy all the time in the church that we're family. That's where this comes from. That's where it comes from. We're the family of God. We have been adopted into God's family. You know, here's the amazing thing about adoption, okay? You know, when, when, when you birth a child, it's yours, okay? But when you adopt a child, you chose that child. You picked that child out, okay? You, you, you know, however it went through, you made the decision to say, that's mine. That's exactly what God the Father did with us. He said, Miss Irene, it's mine. and Emily, mine. That's what the God of this universe said. That's pretty exciting stuff. I ain't even going to get to that. Okay, let's pray today that what I do get to encourage and give and strengthen genuine faith. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is alive, it's good, it's awesome. I just pray tonight that you would help us to feast on your word. Help us to look to your word for guidance. Help us to be encouraged by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I just ask tonight that we get to know you in a better way. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and everybody would say, Amen. You know, the very first verse in here I love, obviously. There is therefore now no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You see, since Christ has come, a most wonderful thing has happened. The people who believe in Christ are no longer condemned. That's good news. That's not guilty. That is, you are acquitted. That means the case has been dismissed against you. The case of sin, which you were guilty as could be, has been dismissed. Why? Because of the sacrificial work of Jesus. No condemnation means that the believer is no longer doomed and damned. 
but is free from the penalty and condemnation of sin. He is no longer judged as a sinner, but is delivered from the condemnation of death and hell. He is not judged to be unrighteous, but he's counted righteous. Not because of us, but because of Christ in us. Very simply stated, the person who is in Christ is safe and secure from condemnation now and forever. He will not be judged as a sinner. He will not face condemnation if he stays in Christ. See, that's the key, okay? Sometimes we we have some Christian brothers who believe once saved, always saved. And they kind of use this as a basis for that. That's taking this scripture a little too far. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ, okay? Look, guys, we're all inside the church building, right? At about 7.30, when I pray and dismiss, you're going to go outside the church building, right? So when you're in here, you're in church. When you're out there, you're out church, right? Well, guess what? If you can be inside this building, outside this building, you can also be in Christ and out of Christ. You can make up your mind that this is not working for me. You can make up your mind. be a poor choice on your hand, by the way. But I've seen people, Sister Garland, you've been in church for a while. You've seen people in Christ, and you've seen people outside of Christ. Sister, sister, same thing. You've seen people you love and you care about be in Christ and then make up their mind, maybe this is not for me. So you can be in Christ, you can be outside of Christ. But when you're in Christ, the Bible says there is no condemnation. There is nothing but love. There's nothing but grace. There's nothing but peace. And that is a good place to be. Amen? Note the most crucial point here. The believer who is in Christ will not be condemned. All non-believers will face condemnation for sin. A genuine believer is a person who does not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let's take a closer look to, to see what it means to be in Christ Jesus. What do the words in Christ mean? What does it mean for a person to be in Christ? In the simplest of terms... To be in Christ means that a person's faith in Jesus places him in Christ. Positionally, the person is placed in all that Christ is. The way Christ lived, died, and arose. So to be in Christ means that a person lives, dies, and arrives in Christ. Christ is the person's representative, his agent, his substitute, a mediator between us and God. We become all those things because of Christ in us. Amen? So that's what in Christ is all about. Spelled out in a little more detail, when a person believes in Christ, God places and positions the believer in Christ. The believer's faith actually causes God to identify the believer with Christ, to count the believer as having lived in Christ, of having died in Christ, of having been raised again in Christ. No longer does God see us in our unrighteousness. No longer does God see us... um, Uh, in that that veil of sin, but we've been covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what in Christ is all about. To be in Christ means that a believer walks and lives in Christ every day. Amen? And that's why it's so important to be in Christ and to stay in Christ. And when you stay in relationship with Christ, then the promise of Romans 8 and 1 is yours. There is therefore now no condemnation. Amen? This is what it means for a person to be in Christ. A person simply believes in Christ, 
putting all he is and has into the hands and the keeping of Jesus Christ. The person honestly believes that Christ will take care of his past sins, present welfare, and future destiny. Therefore, the believer simply places and positions himself, his faith and welfare in Christ. God, in turn, identifies the person with Christ, with all that Christ is and all that Christ has done. That's what in Christ is really all about. Now, those that are in Christ, the Bible says, there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That is a key phrase. We have to walk after the Spirit. We have to make sure we do things that, that no longer gratify the flesh, but encourage the Spirit. Amen? So that's why you got to get in your Word. That's why you got to know what God expects, okay? If the only time you're in the Word is at church, God, you, that ain't good enough, okay? Now, man, look, you're going to eat well when you're here, okay? I try to preach the Word. I try to give you the Word. But could you imagine, John, just eating once or twice a day? No. In fact, I used this as an illustration before. Your mom was sitting right next to you. I know that lady can cook, okay? I've eaten some of her food. I, I can't tell how you're not 300 pounds, okay? I tell Brother Bernie that all the time. I've never had a bad meal from Sister Emily. I don't know how Bernie is not 350 pounds, okay? But uh, but here's the deal. Um, man, you would feast when Mama cooks. Brother Bernie, you eat well every day, okay? Except when you do something you shouldn't and she gets mad at you, okay? But in the Word of God, you have an opportunity to feast all the time. You know, you know what I figured out? Let me help you. Y'all heard about when I go on cruises, I find a whole lot of extra weight. You know why? When you put a big boy like me on a buffet, bad things are going to happen. If you like this, right? Okay. You put me around a buffet, I just can't help myself. Guys, the Word of God is a buffet. The Word of God is a buffet. Why don't we feast on the Word of God? Look, these little devotions that I'm giving away, guys, there's, there's buffet material in here. There is good stuff. There is good meat in here. What in the world could they say in one paragraph? Let me tell you guys, some of the greatest sermons that have ever been preached have started with one little seed thought. One little thought that the Holy Spirit begins to expound upon. You ne- How many read this on a regular basis? Just lift your hand. How many times have it been such a timely word? It's amazing to me. I'll open this thing up and maybe I'm dealing with problems. Look at this, a four-part series on how to solve problems. Duh. I mean, it's right where you're at. Now, how can that be a coincidence? It's not. It's the Word of God. Okay? It's the Word of God that is alive, that is real. Okay? It's a buffet. Just like when I go on cruises and I can't help myself from the buffet, in the Word of God, it's a buffet. We need to start to feast on the Word. Amen? Somebody needed to, be, somebody needed to hear that. I just didn't want to talk about it up there. All right. Verses 2 through 4, it talks about how the Spirit, the Spirit of God, brings life to us. The term, the law of the Spirit of life, means two things. It means the law of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. See, um, the Bible says in, in, in John 10 and 10, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that more abundantly. Okay? God wants us to live an abundant life. God wants us to be blessed. God wants the favor of God to rest upon our lives. But the key is that we walk in the Spirit. The key is that we obey the Spirit of God. The key is that we continue to stay in Christ. Jesus also said in John 11, 25-26, Jesus said unto her, I'm the resurrection and the life. 
he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Jesus added in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You see, guys, very simply, for believers, our life should be all about Jesus Christ. Our life, the way to the abundant life, is not in the flesh. It's not doing what you want to do. It's doing what God created you to do. Amen? And that's how you live the abundant life. Now for a critical question. How does the Spirit give us life? How does a person go about securing the Spirit of life so that he might not die but live forever? Well, the Spirit gives life by freeing the believer from sin and death. That is from the law of the sin and death. The law of the sin and death simply means the rule and reign of death. Every man dies. Death rules and reigns over every man. But the Spirit of God frees a man from the rule and the reign of death. This is natural and understandable. It's common sense. It's the rule of the universe. Every one of us die, okay? Every one of us die. None of us will live forever physically. But spiritually, because of the law of Christ, we're set free from death. Amen? We're set free from spiritual death. We have an amazing opportunity to live the abundant life, knowing what God has said about that. You see, the spirit of life sets us free from sin and death, from the law of the sin and death, from the power of of sin and death, frees the believer to live righteously and eternally. Stated another way, the spirit of life frees the believer from both sin and death. The Holy Spirit frees the believer to live as Christ lived, to actually live out the life which Christ lived out. You see, even when we sin, even when we fall short, even when we, 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 we come up a little short and guilt begins to set in, there's a tug, a power. The Holy Spirit draws us back to God. You know, guys, did you know there's a difference between uh, conviction and, um, and, and condemnation? Huge difference. Huge difference. Here's the difference. Condemnation doesn't come from God. It comes from the evil one and makes you want to quit. That's why Paul said in Romans 8 and 1, there's therefore now no condemnation. A condemned man has nothing to live for. I remember probably 10, 15 years ago, uh, 10 years ago I was a pastor there. I had an opportunity to go with several pastors to Angola State Prison. And we did some visitation on death row. Okay? Every one of these men are condemned men. Okay? And um, many of them didn't want to hear a word you had to say. Why? Because they had nothing to live for. Okay? There's a few times I'm talking to folks that, Nick, I'm really glad there were bars between us two. Okay? And uh, and then there was one or two people, they had realized that they'd made tragic mistakes, but then they'd asked Jesus to come into their heart, and they were changed men. Okay? Now, again, the, the law still says they were guilty, and there was a price to pay. And they understood that. That was amazing. That, that's what kind of confirmed to me that wasn't jailhouse religion. Because you meet a lot of folks who meet Jesus in jail. They leave them in jail. Okay? But there are some folks who've really come to Christ and really there's a freedom in them. And, and my spirit bared witness with some of these things. But here's the, myth, the thing. Every one of those men I talked to today were condemned men. They had no hope. They had very little hope. Very, uh, they, but here's the deal, guys. Because of the spirit of Christ, we're no longer condemned men. Can you imagine? Can you imagine... You know, before an execution or something, there's an opportunity for a governor to pardon. There's an opportunity for a stay. There's an opportunity for a higher power to intervene. 
Guess what, guys? Do you see that's exactly what Jesus did for us? We were condemned. John, we were we were going to hell in a handbasket, bro. We were our life was a wreck. But then there was a phone call. Then there was a higher power that intervened, and that higher power was Jesus Christ. And because of that, no longer are we condemned, okay? But here's here's what I was trying to illustrate: the difference between conviction and condemnation. Condemnation takes away your hope. You're condemned, you have nothing to live for, makes you want to throw in a towel, makes you want to quit. That doesn't come from God. Conviction, on the other hand, comes from the Holy Spirit and makes you want to change. That's the amazing thing. Condemnation makes you want to quit, makes you want to throw in a towel, makes you want to say it ain't worth it. Conviction, which comes from the Holy Spirit, and it's a good thing. Look, every time you're convicted is another reminder how much God loves you. It's just another reminder that God wants you to get a little closer to Him and a little further away from the world. So don't don't feel bad about conviction. Embrace conviction. You know, there are times that I'm paging like you. I talk a lot, okay? And the Bible says, who talks a lot can sin a lot. you got to watch that, okay? And every now and then this page, I'm about to say something. The Holy Spirit says, no. I'm getting better at listening to that, okay? And guess what? Because of that, I'm saying I'm sorry a whole lot less often. Okay? You know, there was a and by the way, this is for some of you Cajun folks, okay? We don't have much of a filter. We'll say anything, okay? Guys, the Holy Spirit is that filter. The Holy Spirit will tell you, John, what to say and what not to say, okay? You know what? You have a unique opportunity, bro. You you are a taxi driver, okay? You pick people up going to, fro, and everywhere, okay? You have folks and, and, and there will be times you're gonna just say hello and be nice and not say nothing else. There'll also be times maybe the Holy Spirit tells you to say something. And I would challenge you, I would challenge you to use wisdom and to be obedient, okay? Do whatever God tells you to say. Do whatever God tells you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. But guys, when we're obedient to the Spirit of God, there is a great freedom that comes. Amen? Good stuff right here. Good stuff. So, a couple of scriptures for us to, uh, to remember. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 now, the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. There is freedom. Good stuff right there. The spirit also gives life by doing what the law could not do. You see, the law could not make man righteous because man's flesh is too weak to keep the law. We talked about that for several weeks, that the law was up here and we were way down here. There was nothing we could do to follow God's law completely. But the Spirit allows us to do what the law could not do. The Spirit allows us to be pleasing to God. No man has ever been able to keep the law of God, not to perfection or even close. All flesh has failed miserably, come far short of God's glory and law. Consequently, all flesh dies. Therefore, righteousness and life just cannot come by the law. But what the law could not do, the Spirit is able to do. The Spirit gives life also by Christ, condemning sin in the flesh. See, guys, the closer you get to the Spirit of God, the more intolerant you'll be for for sin in your life. Okay? The closer you get to God, the further away you'll want to get from the world. Okay? There, There... the closer you get to God, the more those things that used to not bother you will begin to bother you. Why? Because they bother the Spirit of God. Amen? The Spirit also gives us life by Christ providing righteousness for us. He provides righteousness for those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's why it's so important for us to walk after the Spirit, to walk with the Spirit. The Spirit fulfills 
righteousness in us. He credits righteousness as being in us. When we believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God fulfills righteousness in us. He takes the righteousness of Christ and credits it to our account. He actually places us, places within us the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's critical for us to see this fact. For the Spirit fulfills righteousness in us, not by us. See, it's not about us, it's about Him. Okay? And our, that righteousness that has been given us to, us to us by Christ is a gift. It's been given to us by God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Let's not forget this is all because of the sacrificial work of Jesus. Good stuff. Note this. Righteousness is not fulfilled or credited in everyone. It's only fulfilled in those who do not walk after the flesh and who do walk after the Spirit. You can tell who is righteous and who is not. You can actually see who is fulfilling righteousness and who is not. All you have to do is look and see. Is a man walking after the flesh or is he walking after the Spirit? That's a good question to ask yourself every now and then. Am I walking after the flesh or am I walking after the Spirit? Okay? Guys, it is important that you and I not just be Spirit-filled. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We want the gifts of the Spirit. We want all those things, and that's important. But guys, I've met some Spirit-filled people who weren't Spirit-led. I met some tongue-talkers who, in the church, had it all together, and outside the church, they were a wreck. That doesn't win nobody to Jesus. In fact, I think that really that hurts the cause of Jesus. Amen? Guys, the same Spirit that fills us is the same Spirit that will lead you if you'll let Him, if you'll obey Him. But here's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. He's a perfect gentleman. Okay? If you say, leave me alone, guess what? He'll leave you alone. He won't force Himself. Okay? Could He? He's God. If God wanted to strong arm you, honey, He could. He's stronger than you. He's stronger than me. Okay? But the Holy Spirit's a perfect gentleman. John, if, if you choose to invite him to walk with you, if, if you make sure that he is your co-pilot, he's sitting next to you every day at work, he'll love it. But if you say, I, I just don't know if I have time. And, and again, you don't say those things, but your actions say those things. And guys, I just want to challenge us as spirit-filled people that we stay spirit-led, that we walk with the spirit, that we don't indulge the flesh, but we walk with the spirit. Why? Because the spirit gives life. He gives life to those who forsake the flesh. Well, that sounds a lot like what Jesus tells us to do, to take up our cross daily. Crucify the flesh. Guys, it's not about the flesh. It's about the Spirit. And that's what we need to do. Remember the words of Paul to the Galatians in Galatians 5.16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? Some of you, we struggle with sin. We struggle with the flesh. We struggle with... Anybody struggles with maybe saying things you ought not say? Yeah, that's a good one for us, Cajuns. Okay? Sometimes we say things we don't want to say. Guess what? Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You'll, you'll not struggle like you used to. Let's continue. Verses 5 through 8. And that's probably about as far as we're going to get tonight. Verses 5 through 8. It says the Spirit pulls the mind to spiritual things. You know, we're going to talk about our thought life for a little bit. Did you realize that every action, both good and bad, starts with a thought? Everything you do, Sister Garland, everything you do, everything 
it starts with a thought. Okay? Everything I eat starts with a thought. Okay? There's your health coaches. There's a little, uh, little talk for your next client. Okay? Everything that we do starts with a thought. Okay? And again, I love the way my friend Gary Sapp says, the good thoughts come from God, act on them. I'm trying to talk like a redneck, but I can't do it. Okay? Those bad thoughts that come from the devil, don't do it. Okay? Just don't do it. But our thought life is so very important, and the Spirit can help your thought life. The Spirit of God can help your thought life. This is one of the most important passages in all Scripture, for it discusses the human mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. You see, where a man keeps his mind and what he thinks about will determine who he is and what he does. Let me say that again. Where a man keeps his mind and what he thinks about will determine who he is and what he does. If a man keeps his mind and thoughts in the gutter, he becomes part of the filth in the gutter. If he keeps his mind upon the, the good, he becomes good. If he focuses upon achievement and success, he often achieves and succeeds. If his mind is filled with religious thoughts, he can become religious. If his thoughts are focused upon God and righteousness, guess what? He becomes godly and righteous. A man becomes and does what he thinks. It is the law of the mind. Scripture says three things about the power of the spirit in the, in the human mind. Number one, there is a carnal mind versus spiritual mind. Okay? The carnal mind is the mind of man's flesh or body. The phrase to be carnally minded means the mind of the flesh. It is the mind which man is born with, the fleshly mind that he inherits from his parents. The carnal mind also means something else, something that must be heeded. It means the mind that is given over to the flesh. The carnal mind focuses upon three areas of life. Or to word it another way, there are three directions of thought the carnal mind takes. Now, the first one is, is pretty simple. This is kind of folks in the world. This is folks that don't know anything about Jesus. The carnal mind, they focus upon the base, the immoral, the violent, the, 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 the material, the physical. This is usually the lifestyle most people think about when they think a carnal or a fleshly-minded person. The minds of some are consumed with the lust for sex, power, money, uh, more stuff, recognition, whatever. That's a carnal mind. We can all agree with that. We see that every day, okay? And, and, and thank goodness we've been set free from that. Amen? But then there's a couple other worldly mindsets that if you don't watch can drift into the church. Let's look at this. The second thing, and this can describe some church folk, the carnal mind may focus upon the moral, the upright, and the culture. Some minds are centered upon the welfare and the comfort of themselves and of society. They want themselves and their society to be refined and educated as moral and upright as possible. They focus their minds upon such commendable things. They are commendable purposes, but a person can be refined and well-educated and still live separate from God. You know what, guys? That's why there are good people in this community that don't know Jesus. I remember before my dad came to faith in Christ, he was one of the most honest men I've ever met. Sean, you remember how honest Dad was? Remember, I used to lament that. I, I was around preachers that weren't as honest as my dad. But my dad didn't know Jesus up until a point. And I was like, how can a man be good but not godly? But we see it all the time, don't we? You know, you may have worked with people before. They were good bosses. They were good people, but they just weren't godly. That's a carnal mindset, okay? It's a carnal mindset. And it's not what God intends. God wants us to be spiritually minded, not carnally minded. A 
second area of the carnal mind, a third area rather, the carnal mind may also focus upon religion, upon living a righteous life of benevolence and good works, of ceremony and ritual. However, note again, a person can be a strict religionist and still live separate from God. He can have his mind set on religion and its welfare instead of God. He can be living for religion instead of God, carrying out the function of institutional religion instead of the mission of God, which is to have relationship with God. Yeah, I've met some pretty religious folks in church before. Guys, God wants so much more. That's still being carnally minded. The point is this. A carnal mind does not necessarily mean that a man's thoughts are upon the base, immoral, violent things of this world. A carnal mind means any mind that does not find its basis in God. Any mind that is not focused upon God first. See, it's all about priorities. A carnal mind may focus upon a moral, upright, cultured life and still ignore a relationship with God. Remember what the Bible just says in Romans 8 and 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity, hatred. It is diametrically opposed against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. But then, friends, there is a spiritual mind. There is a spiritual mind. It is the natural mind of man that has been renewed by the Spirit of God. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look, the Spirit of God will renew your mind if you'll let it. Okay? The Word of God will renew your mind if you'll let it. Amen? Guys, so many times we have to ask the Lord to, to cleanse us of these carnal thoughts, to cleanse us of that. You know what? I remember listening to a sermon by Pastor John Kilpatrick, and, uh, and he uses the illustration of oil changes, Okay? Every now and then your vehicle needs an oil change, right? Why do you do that? Because you need to get the old out and get the new in, right? you got to get the old, dirty stuff that's been polluted out and get fresh, clean, quality oil in, right? It's the same thing with our thought life, guys. Look, I don't know the place some of you work. I don't know the home some of you go back to. I don't know the situations that some of you have been through. That stuff pollutes us. That stuff can mess us up sometimes, and we need to ask the Spirit of God to cleanse us. Amen? Look, guys, there have been places I've gone to. There have been people I've visited with. When I left their presence, Sean, I sat there and said, Lord, please cleanse me. Renew my mind. Because, look, if you let somebody dump on you, it will affect you. Amen? And, again, I I, I hold a position where people sometimes think, I can tell you anything. And you can Okay? But guys, sometimes, John, you're like, oh, I'm not the trash can, okay? I want to hear all that. I, look, I'm, I'm really tired of hearing how families come apart and all this craziness that I get to hear, okay? And every now and then, Brother Whit, I just got to say, Lord, renew my mind. Here's the amazing thing. He does. Because that's his job. That's the Spirit's job. And if you'll do it for me, you'll do it for you too. Amen? And that's why we got to be spiritually minded. Not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word spiritually minded means to be possessed by the Spirit or to be controlled and dominated by the Spirit. It means that the man who walks after the Spirit minds the things of the Spirit day by day. And note, 
It is the Spirit of God who draws the believer's mind to focus upon spiritual things. Look, guys, it's not natural to focus on spiritual things. It's natural to focus on fleshly things. It's natural to focus on how you feel, okay? And remember, feelings will betray you. Can I get a witness? Your feelings are very real. How you feel, ladies, is real, but it's not always accurate, okay? But the Spirit of God is always real. It's not natural to, to, to think spiritual things, but the Spirit of God will help you do the unnatural. The believer should keep his mind upon developing spiritual character and fruit. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, and temperance. That is the fruit of the Spirit. That is the evidence that the Spirit is alive and well in your life. Secondly, the believer keeps his mind upon carrying out the ministry and the mission of Christ. Matthew 20 and 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Guys, it is up to us to be involved in ministry and be thinking about others, not about ourselves. That's being spiritually minded. Acts 1 and 18, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you should be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Oh, this is good. Any of you guys were ever CAs? You know, we've been seeing a lot of that. I'm as old as you've seen that. You know, I'm so old that, that, that you know, you remember stuff from way back in the day. Well, well how many are CA old, okay? Christ ambassadors. That's what we used to call our youth group. I'm not that old. But I just remember hearing stories about that, okay? Well, here's the scripture where that comes from, 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ to be reconciled to God. It is our job to help reconcile people to God. How do you do that? 1 Peter 3 and 15 helps you. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Spirit also helps believers keep his mind upon the things of God. Keep his mind on the, on the truth of God's Word. The believer keeps his mind upon being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. And finally, the believer keeps his mind upon casting down imaginations and taking every thought captive. Look, guys, it's so important to deal with your thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why do you bring it into captivity so you can examine it? Is it a good thought? Should I act upon it? Or should I dismiss it? And here's the key to walking in freedom in that area. Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Then there's a fate to both these minds. It's real simple. The fate of the carnal mind, death. The fate of the carnal mind is death. But the fate of the spiritual mind is life and peace. Amen? How many like peace? How many like walking in peace? How many like the peace of God being with you? Have the mind of Christ. Walk with the Spirit, and the peace of God will follow you. Now, I've said this before. The key to having the peace of God is walking with the God of peace. Look, if you're doing what God wants you to do, John, if you're focusing with your walk with Christ, guess what? You'll have the peace of God. 
don't have the favor of God. You don't have the blessings of God. There's no greater pillow than a clear conscience, the peace of God. And that only comes from God. Great promise about peace in Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. What's the key to peace? Keeping your mind focused on the God of peace. Amen? Good stuff, huh? Good stuff. So guys, the, 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 the question, this is where we're going to stop for the night. The question is, are you carnally minded or are you spiritually minded? I think if you're here on a Wednesday night, you're at least trying to be spiritually minded. You might still struggle with the flesh sometimes. Welcome to the flesh. Okay? But here's the deal, guys. It's about who really reigns in your life. Who really reigns in your life. And the key is allowing the Holy Spirit of God to rule and reign in your life. And here's the deal. If you'll let him, if you'll give him invitation, he will. He'll help your thought life. He'll help your actions. He'll help you in so many areas of your life. Those of you that have been serving God for a long, long time, you know the key is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Because when you do that, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or at least you won't want to. Okay? You won't want to. 